So Lord, we thank you that in these days of uncertainty, in these days where hearts are heavy, where minds are troubled, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit within us. We thank you, Lord, that we are a city, our lives are a city set on a hill, shining bright into this hopeless void, into this hopeless world. We thank you, Lord, more than ever, we have a message of hope. We have a message of life in our hearts because you live in us, you move in us, and we have our being in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Lord Jesus, we set our face, we set our hearts, we fix our gaze on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Nothing is going to interrupt that. Nothing is going to spoil that. What you have begun, you will complete. And we are confident of that. Oh, our confidence is in you. Not in the promises of man. Not in the vaccines of man. Not in the the political structures of this world. Our confidence is in you, Jesus. The King of all kings. The enthroned Lord of all lords. And Lord, our hearts today are not troubled. Our hearts today are not worried because, Lord, our hearts are anchored in you. And on you, we have an unshakable foundation. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your spirit here. And I pray that you would seed the soil of our hearts again today with fresh expectation with renewed hope and vigor to go forward into a future that you have created for your people. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 You can be seated this morning. Well, what a wonderful, wonderful time we're having together. I tell you, we just sense God's presence together just in those moments where we where we praise God and we focused again our attention on him. What a joy it is to be together in, in these times. Now, this morning I want to begin a new series of messages titled, A Hopeless End or an Endless Hope. And I want to begin this this morning, and just by way of introduction, we're going to get into this. Uh, for the next two weeks, after this week, we are away on holiday. Woo! So Pastor Ray, isn't it great to have Pastor Ray home with us? Pastor Ray is going to be uh, preaching next week. And I tell you, um, we spent some time together just over a week ago, and Pastor Ray was just sharing some of the things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. And he may share those things next week. But I tell you now, you are, we are going to be so blessed just to hear that word that God has placed in his heart for this house. So just encourage others. You know, you may even have friends at this time that have lost hope, 
that, that are worried and concerned about their future and all of the turmoil that's going on and the confusion that's going on in the world. Listen, why don't you invite them? Next week to come and hear the word of God. And then the week after, Pastor Dale. I saw Pastor Dale here this morning somewhere. Pastor Dale is going to be, hey Dale. Pastor Dale is going to be ministering to us. So I tell you now, the next two weeks are going to be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic where God encourages our hearts and implants his word. Tell you, when when we live in times like this, It's wonderful to have the living word of God as an anchor for our soul, as a foundation for our lives that is immovable and unshakable. The storm may come to test your life and times change, but I'm telling you now because your life is built upon the rock Christ Jesus, your house will stand in the severest of storms. No matter what goes on in your life, no matter what the disappointments are, no matter what the letdowns are around you, whether it's, whether it's relational letdowns or circumstantial experiences that you go through that trouble you. I'm telling you because your feet are on the rock, Christ Jesus, your house, your life is unshakable and will stand. It really will. And this is the joy that we have. It really is. It is the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. So we're going to look this morning and just begin this series of messages, A Hopeless End or An Endless Hope. That's the series of messages that we're going to be looking at over the weeks to come. Now, God's Word, when we look at it, talks clearly about these two realities of life. It talks about a hopeless end for those who are outside of Christ. But those who are in Christ, it talks about an endless hope. And we don't look at our world with, with a harsh, you know, spirit. Or we don't look at our world critically. Our heart must break for the world around us. Because the world around us outside of Christ, the Bible tells us clearly is heading towards a hopeless end. And our hearts must ache. We must pray and we must use every means possible to reach those who are heading toward this hopeless end. When we go into our workplaces and we see people and their eyes are hollow and you hear the heaviness of their hearts, we must use all means available to reach them. And not just with some empty, flimsy, you know, word of correction. Our our hearts must be heavy and loving. And the love of God within us must break through us to show them that they don't have to head towards a hopeless end. But in Christ Jesus, through his saving grace, there is an endless hope available In him, beyond this world, beyond this world that is so fallen and broken apart, we can have, and they can have too, this endless hope in him. Do you know, as a believer, it's impossible for anything to work against you when God is working for you. It's impossible. 
It's impossible as a child of God for you to ever come to a hopeless end because in Christ you have an endless hope. You listen to the newscasts and the news feeds on a daily basis and you see that this world is continually spiraling towards this hopeless end that the Bible talks about. The news feeds that, that bombard people, that, that hammer on in people's minds and press them down all points to this hopeless end just simply confirming the word of God that's been spoken through the servants of God over generations news feeds of second wave pandemics world recession now political systems crumbling global tension amongst nations, and many other climactic events all pressing in on our world. And it's a scene of hopelessness. Mankind is plummeting towards hopelessness. And there might be moments of relief. There might be moments of peace. There might be fragments of good news that man holds on to, but it's all like grasping at straws. You can't put any weight on it. You can't put any trusting it in it. It's hopeless. But oh, we have a hope in him that is endless. We have a hope in Christ Jesus that is eternal, that goes beyond this troubled world, that goes beyond this fallen world of man into an eternal world, his kingdom where there is no death, where there is no pain, where every tear will be wiped away. Hopeful. The believer. The believer in Christ, the follower of Jesus, should be one that is oozing and full and bursting with hope. Hope. And that is why we can be joyful in amidst times of sorrow. That is why we can be strong when we feel weak. That is why we will always pull through when our mind and our emotions want to give up because there's a living hope burning inside us. There's a living hope that gets us up out of bed every morning. There's a living hope inside you and I by the power of the Holy Spirit that moves you through every obstacle, that takes you on through every valley of shadow. It moves you. And it, it, you're tied, you see. You're tied to the purposes of God. You're tied to the eternal plan of your Savior and Creator, Christ Jesus. You're tied into it and you're moving toward it. Aided by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit as he lives within you. And his word becomes real. Into our world of hopelessness, God always speaks a word of hope. You can see it right from the beginning. You go back into Genesis 3 and you see man and woman separated from God, plunging and cursing the whole of creation as 
They do things their way and outside of the parameters of what God has told them to do. God doesn't come in like a savage animal, brutally judging them and cursing them and demanding what they've done. God comes in as the God of hope. The God of hope. And he speaks to the woman. He addresses the serpent. And he he speaks to the woman a word of hope. Yes, there were consequences. They were now excluded from God's presence. But God didn't exclude them from hope. He spoke to the woman. And he said to the woman, your seed, the seed from your womb will crush the head of this serpent, this one that has come and deceived you, this one that has caused this, this, this crisis of sin, where everything is cursed, one will come from you. One will come from you, a promised redeemer that will crush the head of Satan. That's hope. And you can look all the way down through the Old Testament. And in the darkest moments where men and women wanted to give up, in the darkest moments where men and women thought that it was all over and everything had come to an end, God would come in as the voice of hope and renew their hearts and strengthen their minds. This hope lives in you and me. This is our hope. Paul the Apostle in his letter to Timothy wrote about the blessed, the blessed hope that we have as we await the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. You know, there's lots of things that would want to distract us. There's lots of things that would want to divert our attention. But Paul was adamant. Paul was strong in his conviction. And in all of his letters, he focused the minds of people and the hearts of people because he wanted them to stay focused and stay attached to this glorious hope of Christ's appearing. And he writes about it. When he speaks to Timothy, his son, to uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse 11 to 14 says this, For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensibly upright and godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. And here he gets to the hope that we have, awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are, in, uh, who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Paul charged the church. Paul encouraged the church. Paul gave this word to Titus to cause the church to rise up in passion in their hope. And he said, listen, this hope is about 
waiting for the wonderful, glorious appearance of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. The last time the world saw him, he was humbled and he was brutally taken and murdered on the cross. He went into the grave. On the third day, he rose from the dead. But one day, his second appearing will will break forth out of the skies and Paul points and focuses all of the attention of the believers who are in Crete to that hope. It is that hope that will take you through trouble. It is that hope, that waiting confidently for his appearing that will enable you to interpret correctly the situations and circumstances and predicaments that you find yourself in this present day. We've got to interpret every circumstance. We've got to interpret every decision. We've got to interpret and evaluate our lives on this eternal hope, this endless hope that we have in Christ Jesus. In a world that's frantically reeling from one crisis to another, as believers, we should be unmoved. Unmoved, not arrogantly, but confidently in him. Jesus, didn't he say, I will never leave you. Or forsake you. That's present hope. That's present aid. Never left alone. Never forsaken by him. Always at your side. But not only do we have present hope. Paul looks at an an endless hope. An eternal hope. That he wants the church to wake up to. That he wants the church to evaluate their current situation by don't get bogged down in the crises. Don't get bogged down in this old world system. Don't get bogged down by all of the messages and the the mixed forms of media that bombard your mind. Fix your eyes on Jesus, church. That's what he was saying to those churches in Crete. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your hope on him who will return. Our hope, as was their hope, is a confident, unshakable expectation for the future where everything we have been created for will culminate in Christ Jesus at his appearing. This is what the Apostle John's hope was. He described it so wonderfully as he wrote his letter to believers. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 to 3 says this. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we should be called children of God. Now you've got to remember when John wrote this just a little after. They tried to boil him in oil because they hated the wonderful message that came from this apostle's mouth. They tried to boil him in oil, 
That failed, they couldn't kill him. Then they took him up to a high building and they threw him off a building. He still didn't die. So then, finally, they exiled him to an isle called Patmos. But they couldn't even deter or suppress this wonderful hope inside of John because he said, he didn't say, I'm a hopeless man, banished, exiled to this island where there is nobody. I'm in the last moments, the last days of my life. No, John opens the letter to the revelation, the, the, his letter of revelation in this way. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's in the middle of nowhere, nobody around him, but the hope, the hope is burning inside him. Not a hope that's based on the temporality and the ups and downs of this fallen world, but an eternal hope, an endless hope that is anchored in Christ Jesus. John knows that he's moving through this world. John knows that he's heading towards a world that has no end where the kingdoms of this world be, will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And John's hope is alive, boiled in oil, thrown off a building, banished and exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And here he's writing, behold, what manner. I mean, you can never defeat a man like that where the word of God is burning in him. Never defeat. And you know what? I tell you, the same spirit resides in us. It really does. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. But John, what about all this trouble? Oh, we're just the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. Certainly didn't know John. Because it did not know him, Jesus. Behold, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. Purity and getting purity of heart isn't necessarily about some big long discipline program and abstinence. Purity is in hope. Hoping in Jesus. To see him. Because when you see him, when I see him, we will suddenly be like him. And John struggles to actually articulate what that's like because it's so glorious it's so wonderful it's exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think it's impossibly it's impossible for us to articulate as it was for John to articulate all he can say is we will be like him when we see him the writer to the Hebrews also revealed this wonderful hope and instructs all of us to hold on to it tightly amidst changing times. Hold on to the timeless, eternal hope, the message, the promise of God's word to you. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 says this, Therefore, 
Believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the holy of holies, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How many are glad that your conscience has been sprinkled clean with the blood of Jesus, that our bodies have been washed with pure water, that we can actually go into the very holy of holies because Jesus has gone there on our behalf and we now can enter through him. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another. Listen, we are in this together. And, and, and the enemy tries to attack our hope. The enemy tries to divert our attention and attract us with all kinds of alternatives and detours. We're in this together. They were in it together then and nothing has changed. We need one another to encourage one another towards this hope. And when, if I'm flagging, then I need you to come to me and say, Dave, come on, keep your eyes on the hope. Keep the hope alive in you. We're not destined for this world. We're not of this world. We're moving beyond this world to another world. Let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see. See? See how he brings it all together. How he brings this hope together and he focuses it Right in this line here, as you see the day of Christ's return approaching, that is what hope is about. It's about seeing the day of Christ approaching towards us. It's approaching. Some in Bible times, probably as in our time, may ask the question, well, why has it all taken so long? Why has it taken? Or why, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Well, the word of God has an answer for that. A clear answer. A decisive answer. Because Christians were asking it in Peter's day. And Peter simply said this, because God is patient. He doesn't want anybody to perish. His patience holds back him concluding and summing up everything. His patience His longing heart for every person that is heading towards a hopeless end. For them to be brought up into the kingdom. For them to receive Christ. For the work of the Spirit to be done in their heart. For them to be brought into this wonderful hope that gives us 
an endless hope. God is patient. That is why. And that is probably one of the main reasons why he holds himself from returning. 2 Peter 3.10. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 to 15 says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens, my God, I'm telling you. I heard one man, one commenter say this. On TV, and I won't tell you who it is, because I'm praying for his salvation. A man of God speaking in the public arena holding to the values of God's word. And, the, and the, the, the commentator said, what are you talking about? That old, irrelevant, historic book. Historic book. Old, irrelevant. I tell you something now, when our present time is written in history and there's dust on it in the bottom of a drawer, the word of God will still be present and being fulfilled in this world and in the world to come. Irrelevant. I tell you, the word of God is living. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is active. And, I, and, and people may think that this world is governed by the, the decisions of men in seats of power. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 to 15. And I'm going to finish here. I did have a bit more to say, but I'm going to finish here. And then we're going to continue it in a few weeks' time. 2 Peter 3 verse 10 to 15. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will vanish with a mighty thunderous roar. And the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and the works that are on it will be burned up. Do you know Pastor Ray a number of years ago preached a series of messages. Climax in history. Climax of history. Powerful messages that detail all of these end time events. Maybe we should make them available on, I tell you, to listen to. This world isn't going to carry on in the way that it so decides. Not because I'm saying it. It matters not what I say. It's what the word of God says. It's moving towards one single event one ending event that will make all things new and all things right. The judge of all the earth is not to be feared. You know, the wonderful understanding of the Hebrews when they understood God as judge was this. God comes into all of the wrong and all of the chaos and brings order and correction. Judgment's a good thing. Judgment's going to correct and reorder everything into the beauty that God has intended it to be. And that involves our lives. 
in this wonderful, glorious picture, this wonderful, eternal event in Jesus. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of person ought you to be in the meantime, in holy behavior, that is, in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer, and in godliness, displaying profound reverence towards our awesome God. Awesome God! While you earnestly look for and await. Here it is. Here's what it's all about. Here's what they see, they eat, they live, they breathe. While you earnestly look for and await the coming of the day of God. For on this day the heavens will be destroyed by burning, my God. And... The material elements will melt with intense heat. But in accordance with his promise, we expectantly wait, await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Come on. God is good. This is our hope. This is our hope in him. Paul, on another occasion, I think it's in the letter to the Corinthians. He said, we are not those without hope. We are not those who grieve without hope. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. And this fail frame that is mortal will one day put on immortality. I don't know about you, but I find a tendency within myself to hold on to everything I can within this earth. I, I don't, because this is all I know. This is, I want to keep it. I want to retain it. I, I want to I slow it down. I want to live here. And I want to try and live here the best way that I, I can because this material world is all I know. This material world is what I was born into. My values and my attitudes and my mind was shaped by this temporal material world. And I'm trying to, there's a tendency within me to try and hold on to it and slow the process down. But when I realize that there's a hope beyond this world, beyond this material, decaying, fallen world that heads towards a hopeless end, then, then, my hope and my confidence rises in to Him. Amen. Let me pray this prayer. And this is where I was going to go this morning. But uh, I feel it's right that I've shared in the way that I've shared. But Paul prayed a prayer for the disciples in Rome. And they were going through a very, very tough time. Very, very tough time. And I'm going to speak about this in a few weeks' time. This one verse. And this was his prayer. They were facing all manner of things. Imminent death. 
hiding in the catacombs. I don't know if you've ever been to the catacombs in Rome. A labyrinth of tunnels. And there's inscriptions on the wall where believers would write scriptures. And they would write about this eternal hope in Christ. Praying, believing, not forsaking the assembling together of the saints. Even in the labyrinth of tunnels under the city of Rome, they praised him. And the pressure was on. The gauntlet had been thrown down. If you don't serve the emperor, the God of Rome, then you die. And Paul's prayer to people that he'd never seen before was anchored in hope. Let me pray it over us this morning. And maybe you can take this verse and memorize it. Recite it. Because this is one of the most beautiful descriptions of what a Christian should be. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 from the New Living Translation. Paul's prayer. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him. Then... You will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for your people today. Lord, as Paul prayed for your church, we ask you that we would have an encounter with the God, the source of all hope. And that from this encounter with hope, from this encounter with God, the outcome of it would be that we would be filled with joy. That peace in turbulent times would be our portion as we trust you. As those believers in Rome trusted you. When life seemed so uncertain, you filled them with joy and peace. To the extent that their hope overflowed. And they became confident in that. Seeing beyond this temporal world that's so easily shaken. To your unshakable kingdom of life without end. Lord, I pray that for your people. Through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, don't forget, next week, next week, send out a little text to somebody. You see, your voice might be a voice of hope in their hopelessness. Your life, your little text, your little meeting might be the bridgeway in for God to bring a word of salvation and instruction into their hearts. Amen. Amen. Do that and be blessed. And listen, we, we, um, we'll work on it with, with Russell, if you would like those um, DVDs, MP3s, probably MP3s or something. Or we can just upload them. Climax of history. I think it's important, honestly, 
that we have a good understanding. We, you know, we, we're very pastoral here and you're going to make it and you're going to do it and da-da-da, right? But I tell you now, we, we are moving towards the climax of history and we have to have a, a, a good, solid understanding on it. Amen? So we'll make that available and uh, we'll, we'll let you know as it comes available. Bless you. Bless you.